Life Notes with Sheldon, where we talk about ways to get off the sidelines and back into the game of life as your best you. Good afternoon, friends. Thank you for joining me on Life Notes with Sheldon, where we talk about ways to get you off the sidelines, back into the game of life as your best self. Once again, our sponsors are On the Spot Cleaning in Farmington and Chitty Lube out in Kirtland, where you can get a quick, friendly oil change with no hassle. Friends, it's great to be with you again. It's great to have another day on this beautiful spaceship we're on called Earth, careening through the solar system with you. Isn't it amazing how everything just seems to work so well? We don't collide with other planets or stars or craters, and and things seem to go pretty well on this planet for us right now. We're in a good time. The news and other things may try and convince you otherwise, but we are still in a good time of human civilization when you consider the atrocities and, and the things that so many of our ancestors had to go through just to make things work, just to survive. And I think that sometimes we forget what a blessed and amazing time in which we live. You know, it's so easy to lose the childlike capacity of whimsy and wonder. And it's so essential as we try to live our best lives as our best selves and improve our happiness and well-being that we find opportunities to be whimsical and find wonder in the amazing things around us. It's so easy to take things for granted. It's so easy to make things commonplace just because they're there. You know, the pandemic and, of course, the resulting closures of so many stores and things was it was a valuable lesson for me because I just assumed that because things were open and available, they always would be. I didn't really consider the idea that I may not be able to go to my favorite store or get my favorite thing or go to a movie. And so a lot of these things had become so commonplace that I realized I wasn't really appreciating them, wasn't recognizing them for what they are. I mean, it's truly amazing when you think about it. We have these devices that contain practically all the knowledge of the world, give us access to them, that shoot up to outer space and then back on a signal, and we're able to talk with someone across the world with this device that fits in our back pocket. And sometimes we just overlook these things that are so amazing and so wonderful. And I think there's an interesting reason why this occurs. There's a couple, but one, I, I, I read a book once called The Lost World of the Fair, talks about the New York World's Fair, and it, it does it through the insider uh, approach of a lady who was there with her fiancé, and she's describing all these incredible exhibits, the GM exhibit and the Ford exhibit and the Con Edison, all of these things and how amazing they were and how amazing that fair was, how incredible and, and what a transitioning point it was for technology and, and so many things. And so it's a fascinating read. It's interesting when you read a book, sometimes you're reading and these nuggets just pop up and stick with you and change you and and give you perspective. And one of them was this. He said, the author, that uh, sociologists and people in religion and history and other fields, many of them are kind of starting to agree that somewhere we have become adrift in our society. And I'm sure that you felt that too. You know, where are we going What are we working towards? What are we dreaming for? What are we pursuing? And it seems like the dream has dampened, diminished in in many ways. Our our what for, our initial excitement of, of why we're moving forward in society and history. And his suggestion to describe what happened is this. 
He says that somewhere in the late 60s, we reached a point in the United States where we had everything so well figured out. Cars had air conditioning and heating defrosters and automatic transmissions. And our grocery stores became so well stocked with the transport systems and things that everything was always there. We had nuclear capabilities and we had power everywhere. It just, he says, somewhere around the late 60s, we reached a peak in society where life became so good, you could say that we reached something of utopia. And then what he said was really incredible. It stuck with me. He said, but the problem with reaching utopia is that you don't have anything to look forward to tomorrow. So we build and we grow the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, the technological advancements we were building, and we reached this utopia. And the problem with reaching utopia is you don't have anything to look forward to tomorrow. And I wonder if we haven't done that to some degree in our lives, personally, professionally, collectively. We've reached this point where things are so amazing and things are so easy. All of the daytime and comfort conveniences that we have all of the incredible capacities that we've reached a point where what is exciting us? I mean, if, is a new Apple phone going to be the most exciting thing that happens? Is some kind of technology that can propel us more quickly to Mars, is that going to be fascinating to us as a society? Is that going to wake us up? What are we dreaming for? What are we building? What are we working towards? And so he, this theory that we've become adrift is something that you may recognize. And, and where are we going as a country? Why are we going there? Do we even know where we want to go anymore? Now, we can't change this on the national stage. We can't change society. But it comes ever more important that we as individuals and small groups and communities determine very clearly what we want to work towards and where we want to get and why we do what we do. Large corporations and smaller ones, for that matter, in the past 10, 15 years have really come to the line of adopting how important a mission statement is and a vision. And they spend sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars working with consultants to come in and visit with their staff and their key stakeholders to determine and come up with a vision and a mission statement. And I would say that our households and our personal lives are not that different. If we don't know where we're going, how will we know if we're on the right path to get there? If we don't know where we're going, how will we know the steps that we need to take, the resources we need to use and acquire to get there? And so I wonder if, if in our own lives, if we've reached this utopia to some degree, and, and as such, maybe we're not having anything to look forward to tomorrow. So I would challenge you to consider with great intensity what is your mission and what is your vision personally? Personally, very deeply personally. What is your mission? What do you want it to be? What is your vision? What do you want to become? What legacy do you want to leave? Because when we do this as communities, as churches, as individuals, as, or any organization, certainly families, we start to have this vision and we start to have something to look forward to tomorrow. We have something to work towards. We have something to all effort in from all sides, push towards and strive towards. And this is so essentially important in our lives. It's certainly essential for our communities if we want them to grow, if we want them to thrive. 
And this is the baseline for our future. If we don't do this, and if we don't determine this, if we don't come to this conclusion and do the necessary work to determine what that is, adrift is not a good place to be, friends. The wilderness, <laughs> we read about in the biblical texts and others when people had gone out to the wilderness, the wilderness is not a great place to stay. It may be a place to go to contemplate and define wisdom at times. It's not a great place to stay. There's all of the elements. It's not a safe place to stay. And if we're adrift in this wilderness culturally as a society and certainly as a nation, this is a very dangerous place to stay for very long. And what we can do about this is work on the grassroots level to determine where do we want to be and how are we going to get there. It's so essential. You know, I had a humbling experience quite humbling indeed. A Saturday afternoon, I threw my back out. And I don't exactly know how I did it, but Sunday when I tried to get up and get ready for church, I got halfway up and had to crash back down to the bed because I was in excruciating pain in my lower left lumbar area. And I had never quite experienced something so debilitating as this. I literally couldn't get up for anything or any reason. I stayed in bed over a day because there was no other option. The next day I was able to roll over a little bit and crawl, but not much improvement. And it was excruciating. If I turned the wrong way, there was a pain that went through my body so severe, a type of pain that I'm not sure I really understood or even knew was possible. And so as I experienced this, I had to slow down. There wasn't as much that I could do. And I had to be careful and cautious in the decisions that I made. And you know what? That was good for me. For various reasons, but one is because, you know, I happen to know some people who live in chronic pain. And I happen to grow up with one, and I didn't understand that very well. I wasn't really in tune to what that does to a person's morale and how it deteriorates their hope at times. And so when I experienced this, I started to have more compassion to some of the ones I know who are in back pain all the time, some of the ones who have excruciating illnesses and pains. Now, had I not had this experience, I, I would have no way of knowing or understanding. And so sometimes, as we interact with others, and as we try and find our, our vision, it's essential that we put ourselves as much as we can in the place of others and try and understand what they're going through. Try to comprehend why they act the way they do. Try and comprehend what they may be shouldering and carrying and then when we do, we can start to try and help them carry that burden in the ways that we can. And that's the way we build and uplift. That's the way we grow again. You know, when 9-11 uh, happened, they came out with the slogan, Keep America Running. Interest rates dropped to nothing so you could borrow money and keep the economy going. And I think our effort was great. And, and there was something that happened after that time that we all felt. Let's admit it. There was a patriotism and a unity that I don't think had been felt perhaps since World War II. But there was something that happened. And the reason it happened, largely, I believe, is because we were humbled greatly. We never thought anything like that could be possible in the United States. Never did we imagine it. We didn't practice for drills like that in classrooms. That had quit years ago. And we went through with this idea in utopia that it was always going to be that way until it wasn't, until what happened happened. 
so real, so fiery real. And then we woke up a little bit and we realized that, huh, we're not guaranteed utopia. We're not guaranteed peace. We're not guaranteed living the life the way that we always have. And so we started to have a little bit more compassion for our neighbor and understanding because our hearts and our minds and our literal souls were humbled greatly. Mine certainly was. I was in Mexico City serving as a missionary at the time at 8, 19, 20 years old, right in between there. And I was certainly humbled because the minute I saw that on the news, I knew we were going to war. I told people that and I, and I knew it. I just didn't know where and with who. But at that age, when you're uh, draft worthy and in that draft age, that's a pretty humbling thing to think you may be transferring from this work you're doing into something quite different. And so we were humbled in a way that we hadn't been for centuries. Well, for decades, for decades. We hadn't been for decades. And it was good for us. It did something. We all felt something different. There was a collective whole. There was something to look forward to, something to build back up, something to regain. And we had this hope and the slogan, keep America running. And we kept her running. And we ran and we ran until we forgot I think largely completely what we learned that day. We forgot what it's like to humble ourselves. We forgot what it's like to be truly grateful. We forgot what it's like to come together in a way that we hadn't ever before, to come together with our brothers and our sisters, to come together with all those around us, to come together as a community, as a nation, and even a world largely in a way that we had not experienced. And I feel like the further away that becomes an event in the past, the further adrift we go down the canal in this canoe without a rudder. Drifting, but drifting towards where? And drifting is scary because it's like a balloon out in the wind. When you drift, there's no control over where you go. There's no direction. And you can end up anywhere. But sometimes that balloon ends up hitting sharp edges And it bursts. And so it's essential that we navigate carefully our course and that we determine with precision and caution our destination. And that we take the time to determine and make our mission and vision statement and then point towards that in the things that we do. None of us want to be lost. None of us want to be adrift, but so many of us are. And so I'd ask that you take that time and determine why are you doing what are you doing and where do you want to be? And then how are we going to get there? Because what are we building right now in America? What are we looking forward to? What are we hoping for? Again, the danger of reaching utopia is that there's nothing to look forward to tomorrow, but we have to make things to look forward to. We have to regain that hope. We have to actively pursue that dream. Are we moving forward? And how are we going to move forward? And how are we going to take those steps? How are we going to capture that whimsy and that wonder that we once had as children when the world was a magical place? And when everything was 
incredible. A bee landing was fascinating, and we would stop as kids and just watch. A bird flying by would capture our attention completely. We would see things, and we would dream about our childhood heroes jumping out of trees and flying and Superman, and we could see this vision of the way that we wanted our world to be. We could play with a tow truck and a car and somehow be in a different universe where these things are real and there's people driving in them and talking over the CB radios. Friends, we cannot lose our capacity to dream and to hope. And I'd invite you to find some whimsy and wonder in your life. If you're a grandparent, you don't have to go much further than to your grandchildren. I came in the house the other day and my 95-year-old grandmother was sitting with my 5-year-old son right next to each other, their legs crossed the same way, watching some TV and smacking on some kind of cereal. She had her oatmeal and he had his whatever it was. And they sat there. And it was such a beautiful thing because you have these two vastly different generations coming together and enjoying each other and just being in the moment. And I think that there's something about just being in the moment that is mystical and magical, powerful, important, that we take that time to harness what's going on and harness what we want to accomplish. That we take that time to make sure that some of our interactions are sincere and some of them even profound, rather than so fleeting you know, I, I recently read of a man who challenged his class to go out into the public sphere, like a mall or Walmart, Target, and engage in conversation the way that they would on social media. You know, sometimes we think that social media has made us more connected, but in fact, in many ways, it's made us more lonely. What used to be conversations over dinner and coffee have become sound bites and likes or emojis. And there's no replacement for the human spirit uniting with another person in a moment. There's no replacement digitally that can replace that. And yet we've tried with social media. And so he challenged his students to go out there and ask questions like they would if they were Facebook. What is your favorite food? When were you born? Do you like this brand, or this brand, or this brand? What are your preferences? And ask these kind of random questions that we give so easy to social media and to the internet, to people trying to get our information. We give up all this detailed information, and yet sometimes we don't share or disclose much with those closest to us. How many of our coworkers or those around us know when we're going through pain? Know when we're going through sorrow? Know when we're struggling with something? How many of us know when those around us are doing that? And so we've become further apart, and we've lost more of our vision, and what are we going to do to change that? What are you going to do to change that? Because it starts with the individual. Friends, we're only not even a month into this new year. It's still something of a blank slate. And what I'd like to challenge you to do is take some time, wherever you are in the moment, take some time and ask yourself, where am I going? And why am I going there? 
Because if you don't determine what your destination is, then you're adrift and you're going wherever the wind blows you on every whim. And friends, in life, there's something about being able to be focused that can diminish the many distractions, that can diminish all of the bad things that we go through in life. Because when we're focused on something, we're able to engage. You know, I went to a conference and they said, largely one of the most important and overlooked treatments for anxiety and depression is engaging in a good cause, is getting busy, is doing something, is engaging your mind. Dale Carnegie talks about people who have struggled with immense anxiety and worry, and that when they have been able to get into a job or something or a thing that they were doing and focused on, they were able to do so much better, sometimes eliminate it completely. And yet so many of us want to go to the drug approach first of getting on a pill. And I'm not diminishing the need for this in any way. If you are on medication, take it every day consistently. If you think you need it, visit with your practitioner. But so many of us want to take the easy way out. So many of us want for the quick fix instead of finding focus, of focusing on something, focusing on our vision, focusing on our work before us. Because when we focus on these things, so many of the distractions lose their appeal. And so many of the things that are on the forefront of our mind can be forgotten or put away for a while so we can focus. And friends, I just ask you and, and me, what are we focusing on? What is engaging our time and our effort and our thoughts that are going to keep us away from being adrift, that are going to keep us away from being negative, that are going to keep us away from buying into the fear tactics of those who want to control us? What is your why? And what is your win? When are you going to take those steps towards it? I once heard that a commercial airline flight, the majority of what that plane does is to get back on course. It doesn't just set a course and go automatically to it. It takes a series of course corrections to stay on that course. It's not a straight line. And friends, we mustn't get discouraged when we get distracted, when we veer off course. We just have to make those course corrections constantly, like an airplane's guidance system constantly correcting, constantly getting back on the trajectory to our destination. Friends, we live in a time of hope. We live in a time of wonder. We live in a time where you can still make your dreams come true. It may be different than it was before, but you have the power to determine who you are, where you want to be, how you'll get there, and what that utopia will be for you. And don't make the mistake of thinking you've already reached it, because then, what will you look forward to tomorrow? Tomorrow, I'll be looking forward to joining you again next week, at the same time, and the same place. Until then, have a great day. You have been listening to Life Notes with Sheldon. Listen every week for a brand new note on life. We hope that we have given you a way to get off the sidelines and back into the game of life as your best you.